I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. I'm here at Tim's today speaking with Dr. Eric Lederman, an internal medicine physician who serves as Director of Medical Informatics for the Permente Medical Group and is National Leader of Privacy, Security, and IT Infrastructure for the Permente Federation, and also Steve Frank, who is Deputy CISO of Kaiser Permente. Welcome, Eric and Steve. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So we hear a lot about the importance of cybersecurity governance, but what should healthcare entities be thinking about when implementing a cyber governance program? And what are the considerations that the security teams should keep in mind when it comes to the impact of their programs on physicians and ultimately on patients? Eric, do you want to start? Sure. So protection is really just the other side of the coin from production. Everything that you want to have needs to be preserved or else it may not be there, so you might as well not even put it in the first place. So therefore, when taking the view, my view anyway, of security governance is it needs to mirror that of any other kind of important governance for the systems, technology, and operations that you have. It needs to go all the way to the top of the organization and you in our in our case we have that we have an executive sponsors group but you also need to have a layer down people closer to the ground uh, we have a steering committee with these folks with a broad array of perspectives HR compliance my medical group colleagues and I who are informaticists IT and of course you know uh, privacy and technology professionals and others uh, so that and then we have uh, you know, focus subcommittees on various topics, uh, just the same way we do for making decisions around implementing and supporting our technology and our operations in the first place. Because if we don't protect it, then we might as well not have it. And Steve, from your perspective? Well, in the CISO world, I'm driven mostly by technology. I come in every day thinking about technical risk and all the nuances around vulnerabilities and threats and sort of technology, but it's really only one part of the equation. So when I think about governance, I want to make sure that the decisions I'm making, that the solutions that I'm recommending, aren't going to add unnecessary friction into the business, into care delivery in particular. Uh, that would be a recipe for disaster, right? I, I don't want to be uh, the friction point. Now, how do I do that? Well, we need a governance structure that can help us ensure that the decisions we make have been well thought through, that the impact of those decisions, whether that's on technical risk, privacy, technology delivery, or care delivery, uh, is understood. I want to know that I have executive sponsorship, that what we're discussing uh, is not going to be a surprise or inject you know, any sort of chaos into the planning uh, or, or, or budgeting or forecasting or human resources aspects of the business. Uh, but most importantly, I want to be timely and I want to have a governance structure that works. So we have a fortunate uh, you know, a history of having good collaboration between the clinical side of the business and the technology side of the business at multiple levels. So now I understand that Kaiser Permanente designed and implemented a multi-layered joint security governance structure that simultaneously reduces security vulnerability while also enabling patient care and business operations. What can you tell us about this and what went into building it? You want to start this time? Sure. Uh, so it all starts at the top, right? So again, I want to know that when we're implementing a security program, there's buy-in right at the very beginning. 
So our executive sponsors layer, the top layer, has the uh, most senior representatives across a number of our critical functions to include you know, legal and, and our, the CEO of our business. And this means that there's a backstop and there is endorsement for what we're doing. Then we have, you know, sort of the next, uh, the steering committee level, where we have representatives from technology, our CIO, our, our, our CISO functions, um, our risk and privacy functions, and that way we can do the strategic engagement, planning, uh, forecasting, understanding business risk and impact. But then there's a level lower, more tactical, more technical, uh, closer to the problem. We actually have a two uh, sort of strategies there. One is our countermeasures forum, which exists in a structured way to bring both the clinical and the security side together each month to talk about any proposals that are coming which could impact care delivery. And then we also have domain-specific working groups that focus on things like cloud technologies or clinical technologies because there might be different players that need to come together for those environments. The, uh, there, there are many advantages to having a uh, structured approach to governance that, that is implemented, lasts over a long period of time, and, and goes all the way up to the top of the organization. Uh, in addition to what you just discussed, Steve, I would say that as new issues and threats and, and challenges are identified, we have a structure to hang these off of. And so we don't have a bunch of free-floating ad hoc committees that are basically sponsorless and you know, involve just talking with no action. I think we've all experienced uh, being in committees like that in large organizations. And what we have here is we have the ability to, to tag on some of the stuff. Like, so for instance, when we first started uh, this structure back you know, 16 years ago during the Bush administration, Cloud wasn't an issue, right? I mean, we didn't have anything along those lines, and uh, uh, we and many of the things that we've done over the time, we've been able to add to here. So, for example, right now we we have a whole uh, funded uh, insider threat program involving people who work for us and have logins to our PHI containing systems, who sometimes get tempted to snoop on folks, and they shouldn't, right? And so we have a whole robust uh, program in place to identify when people are doing that, or most likely are, do, are doing that, and to manage manage to that. And this, it involves all kinds of trade-offs in some of the same ways that uh, security does, but it's a little bit different in that uh, it, we need to make sure in that particular case that the program is sustainable. It's too easy to try to go after every last example of something like that and overwhelm our limited number of compliance and other NHR investigators with a bunch of garbage, which is false positives. So what we do is we are constantly attending together, Steve and I are sponsors of that, along with uh, or our colleagues in compliance, uh, to focus on the false positive rate. So we want to make sure that everything we do is consumable by the investigators and the existence of the program, even though it isn't completely thoroughgoing, is plenty enough to deter our workforce from giving in to temporary temptation. We have the data to prove that, which makes everybody safer and lets all of our highly trained, long-standing professionals, who are just, just as human as the rest of us, keep their jobs because they don't do what for a few minutes they're tempted to do.
And as we know, in healthcare, often the IT security team wants to implement tools or practices that the clinicians are not crazy about. And at the same time, the clinicians hear about cool technologies that they want to try out, whether it's you know AI, uh, Chat GPT, or whatever it may be. How do you balance that? Where you know you're getting pushback from both ends for about different things. You know, IT security wanting to implement security tools, clinicians wanting to start using new technologies that maybe haven't been fully vetted yet for security and privacy. How do you balance that? Well, uh, I think the, the start, it again, goes back to having the structured conversations. We have to recognize it's not just a technical decision, there's business implications, there's care delivery implications, and we solve that by having the structured countermeasures reviews where we discuss the impact of our investments. You know, you can choose any type of security technology in most IT technologies, and you are going to find a possible flashpoint. And even if it's something that we all have come to accept and know, for example, any security professional will tell you, I want you to have multi-factor authentication. It's great technology. We want it everywhere we can get it. But it introduces friction into a care delivery setting. So you might agree that it's the right thing to do. But the questions you may want to know is, okay, what, what form factor is appropriate? Uh, how long will I accept an authentication? You know, what, is there a way that I can reduce the amount of challenges? Um, you know, these are, are examples that you need to discuss at, at a technical level be, uh, and on an impact to care delivery level, which you can't do with only the optic of cybersecurity or only the clinician, and that's really the key for me. So we have a robust vendor risk management assessment team uh, in the technology risk office in which uh, you operate, Steve. And they, they, these folks are terrific. And they're, by design, their work is core funded. And so there's no charge to anybody at KP for asking for a vendor risk management assessment. So we encourage that strongly for any new vendor or vendor technology. And certainly, we, we have certain gating points where we can make that happen. So basically, anytime anybody comes looking for investment funding, then that's one of the things that happens. Well, do you, have you, if there's any PHI or personal identifiable information, you know, have you have you already gotten a vendor risk management assessment? And if so, send it to us. Right. We also, um, in, on my side, in the medical group side, uh, we have. Down to every department, we have uh, physician IT leadership. So we have department technology leaders. We have at every one of our medical centers, we have uh, physician leaders in technology and, of course, uh, at the medical group level and across all of Kaiser Permanente. And so we constantly let them know that when they're hearing about the kind of innovation that involves sweat equity and uh, people putting in their own ideas or maybe trying to cobble something together with, with a vendor, that they also use that as a, a way to have the conversation to get these folks uh, involved with the vendor risk management assessment. Now, we also understand that we don't want to choke off innovation. And so the vendor risk management folks and us, we've worked together over time. And what we do is for something that's new that involves, for instance, PHI, um, there'll be some more leeway, uh, defined more leeway, I mean specific sort of separate, you know, slightly looser guardrails around proof of technology, proof of concept stuff that involves a defined 
minimum number of uh, patients, PHI, uh, so that if there is a problem, that it's a containable problem while the larger assessment is going on. And so what we try to do is try to find the balance to uh, not get in the way of innovation without uh, also innovation causing us no end of problems. Well, thank you so much, Eric and Steve. I've been speaking to Eric Liederman and Steve Frank. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great. Hey, thanks.